Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Deeper Still, the women's ministry podcast of Christ Church of Oak Brook. My name is Sue Ann Camfield. I serve on staff here at the church and I have the pleasure of being the host of this podcast. Well, as we record this right now, as we speak, we are just a few days after Easter. It was a glorious weekend. We're enjoying some beautiful sunshine here in Chicago with some record-breaking temperatures. And so I don't know how your day is going or where you are tuning in from, but I hope you're doing well. I really want you to know that. I, I mean it. We are so glad that you're here. We are so glad that you have made Deeper Still part of your faith rhythm and your community. And so thank you, as always, for joining us today. Well, we are going to continue our conversation on the book of James. And actually, if you can believe it, it's our last conversation on the book of James. We are winding up season one of Deeper Still, and it's been such a joy, such a joy to be with you all. But don't worry, uh, we are not done. We are going to be coming back with a few more episodes in a few weeks. Uh, Stay tuned. I will tell you more about that at the end of the show. So hang in there. Um, Before we dig into our conversation today, I did want to share one fun fact with you that this Sunday, April 11th, here at Christchurch, I will be kicking off our new sermon series. It's called Altered. And we're going to be talking about lives transformed by the resurrection. And when they asked me to preach and they asked me who I wanted to preach on, guess who I said, ladies? Yep, you know it. Our boy, James. And so if you want to tune into that this weekend, maybe you don't have a church home, um, you can check Christchurch out uh, either in person or online at Christchurch.us. And ladies, I promise you, if you've been following along, you are going to feel so smart. You're going to be like the smartest people in the room. You're going to be the know-it-alls. So um, come on in and join us. I will be thinking about you the whole time and would love to have you there and just say a prayer for me. And uh, hopefully it will be a good morning. Also, real quick, just wanted to remind you that if you didn't get a chance to tune into the conversation I had last week with Northern Seminary President Bill Scheel about the woman who anointed Jesus' feet during Holy Week, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that. We've gotten some great feedback on that conversation. Bill was just an amazing guest, so fun to have here. And so go back and listen to that if you missed it. All right. Well, that's enough of all that. Uh, Let's get into our conversation today as we dig into James chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. We have so much good ground to cover today. And uh, to help me with that, here in the studio, I have with me one of my favorite new podcasters, a partner in crime. Uh, Who else would it be? You know her. You love her. She's been here since the beginning, and she's back to help us wrap up the book of James. My friend Chris Stevenson is here with us today. So ladies, sit back, settle in, open your Bible to James chapter 5 if you can, and listen in as we go deeper still. Well, welcome back, Chris. Uh, great, So great to have you here today, my friend. It is so good to be here. I was thinking, just what a day. It's 80 degrees outside. I'm wearing a tank top and open-toed shoes. I had iced tea on my deck before I came here, and then I get to come do one of my favorite things. So like it just, and my whole family was here for Easter this weekend, all my kids. So like it just doesn't, doesn't get better than better than this for that's me. That's right. That's right. And you know what? We need to pray because we're recording this today. By the time we actually edit this and get it posted and people are listening to it, it could be snowing in Chicago. You know, so why would you crush that? my joy like that, Sue? <laughs> 
We are talking about faith and prayer today. So we, like I said, we're just going to pray against it right. in the name of Jesus, just like our friend Elijah did. And we're just going <laughs> to say, the summer is here to stay. At least for today. We'll take it. That's right. Hey, you know what I was thinking about this morning is uh, I was thinking about you and I was thinking about the fact that we started doing this a year ago when the world shut down and you were supposed to, we have a, for those of you who don't, uh, aren't part of our women's community here at Christ Church, we have a Bible study called The Well that used to meet live before COVID and we've switched to this podcast format, but Chris was supposed to be on for the very first time you were supposed to teach. And we switched. I said, I don't know. Let's try a podcast. Like, (laughs) why not? Let's do something different. And you were the one who was on the schedule and you came and um, helped kick us off. And I just look back at that and think that was that was the grace of God because you have done such an amazing job. You've been such a wonderful partner. You've blessed so many people. And I just think that's how that's how this started. So I just want to write from the top, say thank you so much for jumping in with me and saying, I don't know what I'm doing, but why let's try it. <laughs> well that's definitely the truth. That's funny. I it has probably is almost a year mm-hmm. almost exactly, because we were coming back after spring break. Yes. Um and I will say that God in his great mercy perhaps turned this from me standing in front of a group of people with my knees knocking together and Instead, I get to be in a quiet room with you sitting down. Um, but it has been nothing, nothing but a joy um, to be a part of it. So thank you for inviting me in and for deciding to go on the podcast adventure. Yes, yes. Well, it has been fun and we have a fun conversation. Uh, well, actually, I don't know how fun today. That's not the right word <laughs> today. Right we're going to cover. <laughs> we're going to cover some some good stuff and some hard stuff, but some deep stuff today. And Chris, before we jump into the text, um, I thought it would also be interesting to just ask. You know, we've been talking about James since the fall, which is crazy. Some some of our listeners might be like, "All right, can we please get over James?" I have loved it, um, but I just wonder how are you are feeling about wrapping up and what. What's been most impactful for you as you think back over this this book? Gosh, you know, I, I've loved James and I've been so grateful actually that we went through it so slowly because I think that's really given it an opportunity to sink in and then also to, I've found that in other, <coughs> other studies I've done or things I've been listening to, James just keeps like smacking right up against everything else I'm doing and I... And my kids will laugh when they hear me say this. I hate picking favorites. I hate choosing. Um, so I don't know if I can choose a favorite or most impactful sec- section of it because I think every time I come at it, I'm amazed again at just the um, how relevant it is and how practical it is. And I maybe that's what I. it's been impactful for me. It is so practical. Mm. Um, and I think that that just every time we come to a new section, even if I'm glance ahead, I'm like, oh, well, this one either, you know, not so challenging or this, you know, this doesn't really apply to me. Oh, silly, silly girl. <laughs> like why those words have ever come out of my mouth. But I just think each week I'm amazed. Um, and I am super grateful though that we are, that, that James lands the ship with prayer mm-hmm. um, because that's kind of been a, a journey for me um, through my faith life and especially in the last year. So yeah, I, I guess I'm going to choose today as <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> I tell Eric that I say, you know, anytime anyone asks me like, what's your favorite passage of scripture? What's your favorite book of the Bible? It's like, whatever I'm studying, exactly. that's my favorite. Mm-hmm. I get so excited. I get so 
um, convicted by whatever it is. I mean, that's the beauty of God's word. Yeah. But uh, I always think that I'm like, oh, we should, you know, we should do, you know, now I'm telling everybody, read James. Read, and last year it was like, read <laughs> Nehemiah, you know, or whatever it yeah. may be. And so I agree with you though. This has been, and, and ladies who are listening, I know we have some guys out there too. I shouldn't just keep saying ladies, but um I hope you'll take some a moment. I know that for those of you who are in a small group, we're going to do this uh, next week when you gather together. But actually in two weeks, I guess that would be uh, whatever it is. We, we have the calendar. But um, just to reflect on how this book has impacted us, what what actually has challenged us and convicted us in a way, because this is all about, um, James is all about our faith being lived out by what we believe. And I think if we if we don't take the moment to say, oh wait, what did we learn back in that, that you know, I know I keep going back to the verses on the poor and that has been my, I'll share more about that uh, next time. Um, but that has been the thing that has convicted me most is, is what I'm doing with my resources to actually help those who um, are marginalized, who are poor, who are oppressed. And so uh, that's the one for me. I just keep coming back to and back to, God, what do you want me to do with this? And so I I want those listening to, you know, maybe you go back and read James all in one setting, you know, just sit down, take take an hour or whatever, or put it in your AirPods and listen to it on Bible Gateway, turn your audio on and just listen to the whole book and see how what you have learned and what God has said to you just comes to life through that. Yeah, I think that's really a wise advice because we have moved through it over a period of almost eight months. Crazy. I know. But going back going back to the beginning and now pu- putting it all together is one big cohesive piece. And I think we will do that a little bit today in our yes. conversation yeah, too. Yeah, we sure will. Awesome. Well, speaking of our conversation today, why don't we get to it? Um, we are going to jump into, as I said, James chapter five, verses uh, 13 through 20. And so we're at the end of this letter. And it's good to remember that usually when someone is... Um, ending a letter, you know, they want to get in those things that are really important that they want to leave their listeners, their readers with. It's like when we're sending our kids out the door, those last things that we shout at them, you know, wear your seatbelt or drive safely or don't forget your Take jacket. your mask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Take your mask. Um, that's funny. Uh, and that's, that's what James is doing here. It's like those last things that he wants to undergird everything else. And like you said, what does he come to? Prayer which is so beautiful. And so, Chris, I'm going to ask you to read um, actually just verses 13 through 16. We're going to kind of chunk this up today as we go. Um, But this just to get us started, and I'm going to ask our listeners, as you read it, I'm going to ask them to count. So press your finger together, squeeze your fist, tap your finger, whatever you want to do. Count how many times you hear the word pray or prayer as Chris reads these words. Okay, so this is James 5, 13 through 16. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Mm. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Um, So like I said, pretty clear what James wants us to know here. (laughs) Pray, prayer. How many, did you count, Chris? Um, you can't read that would and count. Record, no, I cannot read and count. So. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, those of you out there, here's your quiz. How many times did you get? 
if you said six is your correct answer, uh, you would be correct. And I will say if you chose five, it's because I also threw praise in there as prayer. So I might have tricked you a little bit, but I'm going to count that. Um, but this is James' point. Six times he tells us, and he says, you know what? If you're in trouble, pray. If you're happy, pray. You're sick, pray. If you've sinned, confess to somebody else, pray. <laughs> Why? Uh, because the prayer of the righteous is powerful. It works. When we pray, Scripture tells us that we hold the power through uh, the power of God, that we hold the power to change the outcome of circumstances. Now, I know this is going to get tricky as we dig in this today. And ladies, you're going to see Chris and I even, there's no, there's no perfect answer to this. So Chris and I are going to even... You're going to watch us stumble through it and confess to you, we don't have all the answers to this because sometimes these deeper theological things are, are mysteries as, and we need to be okay with that. But we do know that scripture calls us to pray. Uh, we see it in Philippians, you know, um, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. First Thessalonians. Oh, that's a tough one to say on that. <laughs> First Thessalonians. Uh, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. And so James is being very consistent with what we see at the whole of Scripture when basically he's telling us, pray in all things. There is nothing that we shouldn't be praying in. And I, I, I um, watched this video from Francis Chan. I know some of you have been watching his series on Right Now Media on James, which is really great. These 10 minute videos are phenomenal. And he did a little bit on this and he said, you know, think of it like that person you love in your life. So maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's your best friend, it's your sister, it's your child, whoever it may be. When something really great happens, who do you want to tell? You want to tell them when something really bad happens, who do you want to pick up the phone and call? You want it to be them because of the relationship that you have, this love, this intimacy that you have with this person. And that's what James is calling us to, no matter what, in all circumstances, when you get to those moments, pray. And so, um, actually, Chris, I, I want to throw out a question here to you. <laughs> Yeah. I'm, I'm throwing all the questions at you today, just so you know, and I'm just going to well, thanks so much for that in advance. Because we're going to talk about two things. We're going to talk about what he tells us to pray for. We're going to go through that a little slower. And then we're going to say, why does he tell us to pray? Why does he call us to? But I, I appreciated about you and the notes that you sent to me as you and I talked is you said, you know, prayer, it's not, it sounds easy praying everything, but it's not as easy <laughs> As, as it always should be, or maybe that we want it to be. And you've been really honest about that. I'd love for you to share a little bit about it. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like one of the disciples in the garden when Jesus is like, you know, wait here and pray with me and they fall asleep. Literally, that is sometimes what my prayer life looks like. But it's I have very much have the the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak when it comes to prayer. And, and I've wrestled with it on a couple different levels. Um, some of it has to do with my disciplines or lack thereof, um, which I'm, anyone who knows me <laughs> knows that about me probably, that I sometimes struggle with those kind of dis regular disciplines. Although I laugh because I can commit to other disciplines and for some reason, as much as I want to, prayer slides down the list, which if that's, you know, we're told over and over again that God wants relationship with us. And if prayer is the primary way to enter into that relationship, what am I doing? And so I think part of it with me and, and is that um, some of the questions we're going to talk about, 
who is my perfective? If you know, why does it even matter if I pray if God's already going to do what God's going to do? Um, what if I pray for something that doesn't happen that I believed was in God's will and it doesn't happen? Then is that going to lessen my faith? If I share that with someone else, is that going to lessen their faith? Um, you know, it's am I just talking to myself when I pray? Because sometimes, you know, people are like, oh, you know, I had just such a great time with God and I heard him speak to me. I'm like, well, <laughs> I had a great time with God listening to me talk to him. And I don't know if I heard anything except something in the back of my head reminding me to go empty the dishwasher, you know? So it is a real struggle. And I, and I don't, I think if that's going to probably be a struggle for me my whole life. I'm just guessing. I don't know. But I'm trying to be more intentional about it and to pursue a life of prayer mm-hmm. um, in a more intentional way through a variety of, you know, disciplines and practices. And having said that, you know, the prayer journal that I was so excited to begin with at the beginning of New Year has, you know, laid a dormant in my bag with, you know, while I pick up the Bible study book on top of it. And I think to a certain extent it's because when I fill it, do a study book, I can control that. Mm. And when I pray, part of prayer is letting letting the hands open, lose, letting go of con- some control. Mm. And um, I very much like things I can control, and prayer is not one of those. Mm. That's all good stuff. Yeah. And I'm so glad you share that because I want people to know, and I will put myself in the same boat with you. I'm not like, Chris, tell me why you struggle with prayer because I've got this figured <laughs> out. I mean, everything you said... I struggle with the same things. I have a, during COVID, I told my family, I texted them like, I'm going to pray for you guys every day. So if you have a prayer request, I have a new journal, you know, and same thing. Like that lasted like two weeks. And I'm like, oh, where, what did I do with that journal? Mm -hmm. You know, and so I think it's a very common thing that we struggle with. And so I just want people to know, like, you're not alone in this. But what I love that you also said is, is, we discipline ourselves to do other things and prayer is a discipline. So just like we discipline ourselves to go to the gym or take a walk each day or, um, I don't know, that's what I just, what else do people, I, 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 you I'm know, like, check blank. your email, respond yes, to emails yes, on it, whatever, you. You, you name it. Yes. Uh, prayer is something that we have to practice. It doesn't happen naturally because our natural inclination isn't, isn't to always do that. And so I think those are both great reminders as we, as we talk about this passage. Um, so let's talk about what, what are some of the things, and we'll go this, through this piece a little bit quickly. Um, what are some of the things that he tells us to pray for? And, and the first thing he says in verse 13, are any, uh, is any among you in trouble? Uh, anyone ever been in trouble? <laughs> uh, no, anyone, uh, you know, uh, physically, emotionally, relationally, financially, anyone gone through a hard time? I mean, that's all of us, right? And um, so what does he tell us to do when we're in those places? Pray. Yes, yeah. And I want to just interject really quickly there. Notice that he says to pray. He doesn't say, pray that misfortune leaves your doorstep. You, that doesn't mean you can't pray that whatever misfortune has befallen you goes away. But I think the idea, and it's gonna, the thread is going to run through here, is that we're praying to have God enter into that, that circumstance with us. And how God works out the outcome of that may be different than what we pray for. So the idea here isn't pray for misfortune to go away. Just pray. Invite yes. God into it. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, it's that letting go of letting go of the outcomes. I was reminded, and I think we'll talk about this at another point today, but, um, you know, when Tracy Bianchi was here and we talked about letting go of your plans and how, when our, 
you know, we pray about our plans and uh, or make plans and our expectation is so um, pinned to the outcome of our plan, then what happens when our plan doesn't work out? We're mad at God because we think, you know, he should have been in charge of that plan. And so, and, you know, same thing with prayer here, when we can let go of the outcome and really come back to what is the what is the heart behind why we're praying? And believe me, I know this is easier said than done. Absolutely. And, but um, especially when we get to this part about healing. Um, but that is, the, that is the picture of opening your hands and trusting God no matter the outcome. Uh, and then he says, so first trouble, and then he goes on. He says, and when you're happy, has anyone ever been happy? Right? I hope that you would all say yes. We have had times in our life when we're happy. And I think sometimes that's when we forget to pray most because things are good. You know, we're comfortable. We don't feel like we're not in the foxhole watching the bullets come at us thinking that we're in a crisis and we have to cry out to God to save our lives. We're, we're good and we're comfortable and we're happy. And sometimes we forget to turn those things back around and realize that we're only happy because of the grace of God. Yeah. Well, and I think if you think about relationships, you know, we kind of started this conversation saying, and when you enter into a relationship with someone, you the best relationships, the strongest relationships, the deepest relationships are the ones where you are sharing the times of hardship and the mm-hmm. times of joy. And sometimes it's, you know, joy for one person and not the other. But again, it, it's part of what gives us that complete relationship with God too. You know, he loves when we cry out in our sadness and he loves when we cry out in a different way in our joy. And I think that's important to remember that, you know, it's not just the foxhole prayer, so yeah. to speak, but it's inviting him into every room of our life, every moment, happy and sad, um, and moving through it with him. And, and I think that ultimately not only deepens the relationship, but also helps us have his, his vision for mm-hmm. when we're praying in the times of hardship too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there's no right or wrong way to do any of that. I know I think some people get caught up because they think, I don't know, what do I say or what? how do I do it? Does it have to be early in the morning? Does it have to be, you know, do I have to sit with my Bible open in a journal for an hour? Um, what does prayer look like? And it's like prayer is simply talking to God. And so whatever that looks like for you. And it, again, because it's a practice and a discipline, we might start out, it might be really hard. We might get like two minutes in and go, okay, I'm done. And maybe that's enough. But as we practice it over time, it gets more natural and easier and becomes just part of our, our rhythm. Yeah. yeah. So no right or, no right or wrong ways uh, to do this. The next thing, and this is where it gets tricky. Are you sick? <laughs> this is where it gets hard. Verse 14, is any among you sick? Let the elders of the church uh, call them in. Pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. So let's talk about a couple of points here because I think um, this can look very conditional. Okay, if you pray over someone, they will be healed. And there's a little more that is going on here. And so first of all, just real quick, for those who like these little history tidbit contextual things, I I know Chris and I do. uh, (laughs) If you don't like these things, just bear with us for a minute. But in ancient times, so we talk about this practice of anointing people with oil. In ancient times, if someone was sick and they couldn't leave their home, it was very common for the family or members of the church or the community to request that the elders of the church would come to their house and then literally anoint them with olive oil and pray over them. 
some of you have had this done. If you've been in the hospital or you've been in a place, maybe even during COVID, the pandemic, when you couldn't get out of your house, maybe someone stood outside your door and prayed, or you've had people come when you've been sick and they have prayed over you. I know our church does this. And and um, the oil itself uh, may or may not have been significant. There, there are lots of different theories uh, on this, and so I don't want to get too caught up in this, but uh, there was a belief in the ancient world that olive oil was used for medicinal purposes, not just a belief, it actually was. And so they believed it had healing powers. And so they would take that olive oil and they would actually rub it on someone's body and they would believe that, and maybe it actually did, that it had healing power. I, I know I've, I have olive oil in my cupboard. I've never tried <laughs> I've never tried it, but I don't know if it's going to heal anything. Maybe I should, but... Have you heard of, this is such an aside, but people who gargle with olive oil, it's, no. it's a thing to reset the bacteria in your mouth. I can't believe uh, I just said that on a podcast <laughs> that people are going to listen to. You know they're going to try it. Someone's, someone out there is going to no, try they, it. Somebody may do it. That's right. Anyhow. Maybe, no, I think and it maybe does. there's medicinal power in that. It's a good. Olive oil right. is good for you. All right. There it's good go. for you. So anyway, that was the deal with olive oil. And so there was a, a belief that it could be medicinal and they used it for that. But more likely, uh, it was sacramental meaning it was uh, part of a purification ritual that was believed to remove sin from people, remove those remnants of sin in case they were going to die, if they weren't healed from the disease, then they would be prepared for death. They would um, have a clean soul. But um, more interesting, I think, is that um, in ancient times, there was this deep-seated Jewish belief that your sin was directly tied to Uh, bad things that would happen in your life, including your physical health. And so if you had something bad happen to you or to your family, it was because you did something wrong. You sinned. And Jews always associated suffering with sin. And so we see this throughout the scripture, right? That's why it was so remarkable when Job, we see Job was an upstanding man, right? Mm -hmm. He did right in the eyes of the Lord and all of these bad things happened to him and no one could believe it because that's not what's supposed to happen. When you're a good person, good things are supposed to come. And when you're bad, God's supposed to punish you. And so that was a deep seated belief. And so it's also really interesting. So we see the story in John chapter nine, when um, Jesus encounters the man born blind and his disciples ask Jesus, okay, Jesus, well, who sinned? Somebody must have sinned. Someone had to have done something wrong for this man to be born blind. Was it him or his parents who screwed up? And Jesus, that's why his answer is so radical. He says, actually, neither. And then his answer, and this is going to fill into the rest of our conversation, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Radically new thought for the people at the time, but also something to think, oh, maybe the good or the bad, the healing, the sick happens so that God can be glorified through it. Yeah, I love that. I I love this story because I think certainly at that time, I mean, what, it meant restoration for this man. You know, when you could say, well, no, it's not the sins of him or his parents. This happened for, you know, for God's glory to be displayed. It takes that um, that stigma off of physical illness. And I think in our in current times, we are a little bit better about this. Um, I think there's still stigmas with much physical disability and certainly with um, mental health issues. And and Jesus is saying super clearly here, it's not always about sin. Now, there are behaviors 
and sinful behaviors that can lead to physical issues, you know, and, and I think we need to also say that, you know, part of going back to some of those Old Testament laws about God setting up guidelines for us were for our spiritual health, but also for our physical health. You know, there's, there's a good reason that you're only supposed to have sex in the, in the boundaries of marriage, um, because there's all sorts of awful things that can happen outside of that. There are good reasons to treat alcohol with moderation, um, because if misused, it can lead to all sorts of physical outcomes. But I love in that John 9 story that Jesus is saying, don't be so quick to jump to that conclusion, especially when it comes to something like blindness or, you know, somebody who's lame or deafness or things like that, that this is God's going to work and watch. Yeah. Well, it also leans into, you know, when people have cancer, when people have bad things that happen, when when um, they have physical ailments that happen to them, you know, we, we so look for the why behind that. And I, I wish I had answers to that. I wish I could answer everyone's question on why those things happen. But I think inevitably, especially if you're in a long-term situation where you're dealing with an illness, perhaps you do start to wonder, does God not does God not care about me? Does, did I do something wrong? Does God not love me? Is God not good? You know, all of those questions and doubts that we have. And again, those are normal and natural, but just to come back to the truth of that's not, that's not the reason. There's, that's not the purpose behind it. Well, and I think the other thing that it does is it also maybe turns the eyes of the people who aren't in that state of, in this case, physical affliction, but it could be going back to our, the first circumstance of general misfortune, we as people tend to move away from people that are in situations of illness or misfortune. I think it's, maybe I speak for myself, it's a natural inclination to be like, almost to distance yourself a little bit out of fear, out of discomfort, whatever. And I think in a way, what God is saying here too is to move towards those people mm. because get get ready to watch God work and move in their lives, maybe not in the way you're expecting, but that God is absolutely working there. And and so I think we're also, I think that's part of this. I had this little epiphany when I was getting ready today that um, that when they invite the elders in, part of that is inviting the church to move into those situations yes. and to be a part of those, not only to assist the person who's afflicted, but also to get ready to watch what God's how God's going to be glorified mm. and to be prepared for that to look a lot of different ways. I'm so glad you brought that up because we do tend to look at prayer as being so individualistic. We look at our faith as being individualistic. And that's one of the things this calls us to is this is a picture of calling the community, the body of Christ to come in and to surround people in pain and to pray over them and to anoint them, whether with physical oil or anoint them with your words and be present in those moments. There is this, it's actually the third um, reason for the oil is that it it can be seen as um, symbolic, where you are setting someone apart, you are anointing them uh, in the presence of the Lord to give them over to God. And I don't know if you've had experiences like this. One came to mind to me, is uh you know and it doesn't always have to be around people's health i one of my first small groups when we moved here to chicago um we had been traveling together journeying together for a couple of years and one of our friends 
uh, stepped out in faith to start his own business. And he had, he had a really great job and this was, uh, he quit his job. They took everything they had to invest into this new business and they really didn't know how it was going to go. And our small group went to his office building before it opened. And we just, we, we went from cubicle to cubicle and prayed and asked for God's blessing and his anointing in his business. And we did that together. He could have gone and sat by himself and prayed over it, but he invited us into that. And we just, we prayed and prayed and prayed. And, um, and I'm not saying that always means God's blessing. They experienced, I mean, the, the fruit that he experienced and how God has used him as a business leader has been unbelievable. I mean, talk about watching God be glorified, but he invited us in to be part of that with him. And it was such a powerful experience for all of us. Well, and it's it's so funny that you mentioned that. Um, one of the amazing things that has happened to me in the last five months is I was invited to be part of a group of moms who are praying for my middle daughter goes to Hope College and as part of Moms in Prayer, which is an international organization, they this one of these moms kind of put out a call to see if anybody wanted to pray and we decided to join together over Zoom, these eight women I had never met, and pray very specifically and pray scripture over Hope College, the students, the faculty, the community. But in the midst of that, one of these beautiful women who I'd never met through a series of circumstances, shared something that was going on in their family life that was incredibly painful, incredibly vulnerable for her to share with people she'd never met and invited us in to pray with her. And that experience of praying over her initially through Zoom, and then we had the opportunity um, to meet and do a prayer walk on the Mm -hmm. campus. Um, and, And right now, it's not seeing the results that we're praying for. I will be super honest there, but the the power of unifying over her in prayer and her experience of being surrounded by believers that way um, is is has been transformative for me. And I think that's part of what James is getting at here is inviting us to enter into that in every circumstance. Mm. Yeah, yeah. What a great what a great picture. And again, like we can't do this alone. And so what happens, and this gets to that why question. So if our, if our prayers aren't always answered, and we've all been in those situations where we have desperately been praying for something that we truly believe that God wants to happen, whether it's the healing of somebody, whether it's um, maybe a relative, a friend, a child who has gone away from the Lord and we just desperately want them to come back. Um, You know, uh, think of all of the things, maybe it's a financial situation and we have just prayed and prayed and prayed for God to set that right. And then God, it just, nothing's happening. And we start to ask those why questions. But we, when we think about why we pray, what God calls us into both as an individual believer, as well as a church community, a small group community, community of faith, what starts to happen regardless of what the outcome of the prayer. So again, releasing, detaching ourselves from the outcome and just saying, I know God wants intimacy with me, and I know he wants intimacy among the community of faith and prayer. What what greater thing can you do with somebody? What more intimate thing can you do with someone than hear their thoughts to the Father? I mean, think about that for a minute. Yeah, I... And again, I, I feel so privileged to have really experienced this through different periods of my life, but just really powerfully in these last couple of months. And I think, you know, why do we pray? The really 
easy, sort of easy answers, because Jesus did. Mm-hmm. And I have been reading Philip Yancey's book on prayer. It's probably my second time through it. And I just love this book because he's super honest and is asking all of these questions that we're kind of bringing up today and not having real pat answers to them. Because I think that's so important is to not just, you know, silver lining this whole thing. Um, but we pray because Jesus prayed. And Jesus's prayers don't always seem to have been answered either. You know, the the prayer to let this cup pass from me. Jesus prayed that and felt comfortable praying it, um, even knowing that, that wasn't going to happen. Jesus prayed in his final prayer after, you know, as he was doing the Last Supper, you know, for unity among all the believers. Um, that that didn't even happen within five years of his death. There was already disunity. And so, but Jesus prayed because he wanted to enter into that deep relationship with his father. And I think he that's, wants us to do that the same because in doing that, we, I mean, we're never going to have the mind of God, that we are incapable of that. But we start to get glimpses, perhaps, of his bigger plan, his bigger picture, or we don't even get those glimpses, but we experience his presence with us in those. And I loved it, tying into Dan's service on Sunday, um, the idea of, you know, God, God is God. He is infinite, eternal, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, all those things. And he has he's playing this game on so many different levels and planes that we we have a sliver, a sliver of um, the picture. And, and so part of prayer is leaning into that relationship with him and trusting that he does have the grand eternal perspective that we are incapable of um, really having on this earth. Yeah, yeah. I love this quote from Beth Moore. She says, prayer can prime the well of our souls to a bath of his beautiful presence. It is often the most determining factor in whether in our anguish, I love that she acknowledges the anguish of praying sometimes, but it's the determining factor whether we sink or we swim. And I just, you know, in saying that, it's so true. And yet at the same time, like you just said, I don't want to silver line this. I don't want to throw the pat answers that um, say, well, there's a reason for that. God's going to, God must, you know, God must going to be glorified. He's going to work things for good. Those are true things. But when you're in the midst of pain and you're praying for something that's not happening, that's not always what you want to hear. But again, coming back to, but it's true, but we don't need to silver line it for one another because I think that also takes away some of the intimacy of those prayers. Well, and and again, look at what scripture lays before us. Look at the Psalms. How many of the Psalms are Psalms of lament and of crying out and anguish and like really, really honest anguish? There's a book called God's Prayer Book um, that walks through not all the Psalms, but most of them. And David and the other psalmists like, Kind of, sometimes they cry to God. Sometimes they yell at God. Sometimes they ask God to do horribly violent things to their enemies. God welcomes that um, that honesty because he can't. He does hold it, and he know he has his eternal perspective. But um, I think we do ourselves a huge disservice if we try to clean up and pretty up our prayer. Um, we're not we're not meant to do that because in doing that it's putting up that barrier that wall it's not in letting god into the anguish and the heartache mm-hmm. and that's 
that's what we need because we are, you know, there's a reason that most societies, even if they're not Christian societies, have something that's like a prayer, that sense of crying out, you know, again, the foxhole prayer. There's a reason when people are under pressure, they cry out to God. Mm -hmm. And it's because we were created to cry Mm -hmm. out to God, to be incomplete without his presence in our lives. Mm -hmm. And prayer allows him to come in and, and fill that hole, even if it's a vast cavern of anguish and illness and sickness and death and despair only he is going to be able to move into that place yeah and i think the the last thing and i know we need to move on the last thing i'll say about this is the other thing to remember and i don't mean to say this flippantly or harshly but this earth is not our home and so sometimes when we get caught in that why isn't god answering my prayer um because we live in a fallen broken sinful world where bad stuff happens because we are not, this is not the way the world was intended. It's not the way God created it. And there is something, These all of these things will never be made perfect until eternity. And that doesn't always help us in the moment, but yet at the same time, it's this, this paradox of faith. It might not always help us in the moment, and yet we know it's the only thing we have to hold on to. Yeah. And for those of you who are walking through the NT Right study with us, I'll just read this one last thing because then we there is more to hand to James than this but it's just so good Um, and this is in the N.T. Wright study prayer isn't just me calling out in the dark to a distant or unknown God it means what it means and does what it does because God is as James promised very near to those who draw near to him heaven and earth meet when in the spirit someone calls on the name of the Lord and it means what it means and does what it does because God's new time has broken into the continuing time of this sad old world so that the person praying stands with one foot in the place of trouble, sickness, and sin and with the other foot in the place of healing, forgiveness, and hope. Prayer then brings the latter to bear on the former. Mm. So prayer start, gets us that foot towards the world which is in our this world which is not truly our home and starts giving us that eternal perspective. So now I'm not yet. That's really beautiful. I love that. Well, on that note, let's um, just move a little bit forward to verse um, 16 where he's talking about, uh, therefore confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, uh, and you will be healed. And this is talking more about a relational healing. Now, remember the context. They did believe that you needed to cleanse yourself from your sins if you wanted physical healing at the same time because they believed they were so intertwined. But I kind of want to step out of that because that's not where we find ourselves today. We more often find ourselves in this healing that needs to happen between people who there is a barrier there. And when we confess our sins to one another and even sit down and pray together with those people you're in conflict with after or as you are confessing the healing that happens in those moments. Yeah, well, and it it is kind of neat because Beth Moore has a really neat commentary on this too, where she says, this is such an important thing to do to almost, there are some people, even in contemporary culture, who's, who in times of trouble are like, oh, it's my sin that's, you know, causing the illness. I just had a conversation with a friend who something isn't going the right way. And she's like, am I walking in disobedience? Is, I, I thought I was doing the right thing, but I'm not. And I think confession is God's way of also kind of un unburdening us so that then we can enter into those healing places and that's why he encourages us to do it with one another because he knows the healing that can come from that having said that also we of course keep in mind that there are times when you might want to heal a relationship and 
you have confessed and done your part and the other mm. party doesn't. So I, I want to be sensitive to that because I can think of a number of, of relationships of, of people that I know that they can read this and go, yeah, I would love to have relational healing and I, yeah. I, I've done all I can do. But I think, again, James, God through James is laying the template here. If this is what a healthy church looks like, this is what healthy relationships look like, confess. Don't let it fester and get icky and ugly and evil. Yeah, yeah. Well, and a couple things about that. Again, it goes back to this communal aspect because I think so many times it's it's way easier, I think, to confess my sins to God oh, than to sit absolutely. down and look across from, you know, Chris Stevenson and say, Chris, wow, I really screwed that up and I'm sorry I hurt you. Will you please forgive me? Those are harder conversations, especially when you run into really messy, messy situations. No one wants to sit down and confess and 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 admit and see the brokenness in their own lives and then like you said not even sure how it's going to turn out or what's going to happen if you're going to receive forgiveness but those are those there's you know yeah yeah it's like getting hit by a bus sometimes having that conversation but yet we know what waits on the other side so often if we have the courage to do that yeah and i think um it's it's good practice to start with god by the way (laughs) you know that's one of the things i have been um convicted about this year is like in my time of prayer working in a little bit of confession and you know like as i've said (laughs) as i think i've said multiple times on on these podcasts which is kind of frightening i like to think i'm a pretty nice person (laughs) don't we all i mean don't we all i think i know what i'll be confessing today but um but I think, you know, learning to have that, you know, realistic lens on ourself. Come, again, James has been super concerned with submission, too. Remember mm-hmm. that yes. has been a thread running through this. It's submitting ourselves to God, submitting ourselves to other people, is having a, a, a right view of our broken behavior so that it can be restored, um, both in relationship with God and with the people around us. Of course. It's always both. It's yeah. always vertical and it's always horizontal and one always affects the other. Yeah. But I do think so often, um, you know, we, we keep it to ourselves and we, and we don't just walk to that other person and, and say what needs to be said. And then it says, and pray and pray together. Pray. I mean, that, that's, you know, that's gets pretty real, but I think that's also where so often the healing actually happens. I just had someone, it was funny, I had a coworker um, walk in my office today. She and I had a conversation and we were talking about something and probably about an hour later, she popped her head in my office. She said, I'm so sorry. I don't, and it wasn't even to me. She was confessing about something she had said and she said, I should never have said that. And I said, oh, I didn't even like, I didn't think much about it when she said it, but it was like dwelling in her soul and she just wanted to come clean with it. And I said, well, I don't need to forgive you, but you're forgiven. I forgive you. But she just needed even that little, like those short accounts that you keep with people, let alone the the bigger, messier things that you need to do. Well, and I think that's part of that being sensitive to the Holy Spirit is, you know, she was clearly in tune with the Holy Spirit who was like, hey, uh-uh, yeah, <laughs> fix that. And, you know, it's I think it's a humbling thing to learn how to do that with your children. Mm-hmm. For those of you who may have children, you know, that's something I've learned over the course of parenting is, not just being like, oh, you know, oh, oh well, you know, I screwed that up. Being like, I'm really sorry. This morning, Maggie started back to school on a, yet another new school schedule, and I told her last night where her ID was, where I thought her ID was. And it, as we were going out there, I'm like, did you take your ID? No, where is it? And she was like, oh my gosh, mom, you said it was there. And we had this very, very stressful five minutes before we found it. 
she got out the door and I had to apologize to her. I'm like, I'm really sorry that I created stress in that moment. Like, and again, small, small thing. Mm-hmm. But keeping those, like you said, keeping those short accounts, James is, that's what James wants these people to do. Yeah. And I guess the invitation maybe in this for us is not even, not only I should say those short accounts, but if there is, if there is something coming to your mind right now that you know you're in conflict with another person that has not been resolved, just take a minute and pray. I mean, it's kind of funny I would say that. Ironic, right? Pray about that and see if God might not be leading you to just go say what needs to be said, make things right, and leave the outcome up to God and just see what happens. Just trust Him with yeah. it. Yeah, what's the verse? As long as, as yes. much as you are able, you know, be at peace, peace with uh, all people. As far as peace depends, depends on, on you. you. Yeah. 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 I butchered that <laughs> we really well. Did, yes. <laughs> but you get the idea. <laughs> well, here's another. I'm going to throw out a Matt Chandler quote about this I love, and then we'll move on to the last couple of verses. Conviction. Conviction should always be sweet for the believer because it's an invitation to surrender ourselves to what God is doing in our hearts. Then, and this is where we're going to get to, then the gospel frees us to be wrong all of the time. Because we can screw it up all the time, but we it always gives us another chance to confess, to repent. And he says, you know what? We will never stop confessing and repenting. At least we shouldn't. So I thought that was a good That's word. That's beautiful. I know. Now, now I'm going to have to go home and make a list of all the things I need to confess and repent for. But isn't There's it so lot. sweet when you've... F- Receive that forgiveness either from or been oh, treated with yeah. grace, either you know, experienced from God Himself or either from another person like that. That's why God wants what's best for us. This, He's not doing this to like make life awful. He's yeah. like, I know what's, and what's best for you is to receive forgiveness and receive grace and have that wash over you. Yeah, that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. But if, if you've ever received that from someone mm. else, and I know I have, and I, I've, I've been. I mean, it's, it was a life-changing experience for me to receive that forgiveness and grace from someone that I didn't deserve it from at all. Uh, I was forever marked and changed by that yeah. moment. And then you just, it makes you free to be more gracious to one another and to other people. It's easier to say, it's okay, I forgive you when you've received forgiveness. Absolutely. So it's just, it's this beautiful thing that God designed for all of us. It's awesome. Um, All right, verses 17 and 18. We're going to skip over this, Ashley. It talks about Elijah. Um, And and Chris and I were talking about this. The story of Elijah you can find in 1 Kings uh, chapters 17 and 18. It's kind of a crazy story, actually. It's funny to me that they bring it up here, but we're talking about what the point of it is. Elijah does pray, and some pretty amazing things happen, but there are extenuating circumstances. This is my theological opinion around what is happening around Elijah. I'm like, James, you didn't do your homework. (laughs) He he wasn't a good Bible student. He didn't go back and read the story of Elijah. But the point is that Elijah was a human being just like you and I are. And sometimes we we think, um, you know, we put these Bible characters or other people, spiritual giants in our life on this big pedestal and we think, well, they know how to pray. Like they, they're a, they're a pastor. They're a, they're a leader in the church. They're an elder. They're whatever. Uh, They know how to pray. And this right here is just saying, you know, Elijah was a human being. He called down fire and rain from heaven. He was just like me and you. He just had access to the God of the universe. And guess what? So do you and I. Yeah, I love that. He's just, he's inviting us in. He's, and especially to Jewish believers, like Elijah the prophet, oh, you know, that would have rung bells. And he's like, "Mm mm-mm. He was receptive to God. He was praying within God's will and God worked with and through his prayers. And guess what? You're invited to do the same thing. And again, understand these new Jewish believers are still learning that the high priest is, you know, 
no more the the veil has been torn all that good stuff and so this is this there baby steps that's there's a lifetime of learning it's not just the prophets and just the priests that get to approach the throne of god like that's for people just like us and i love that james kind of ta- so it it might seem incongruous to us but i think it m- probably meant something to these these jewish listeners who were like oh yeah i know who elijah is right, and right. i can pray like him yes and elijah prayed according to god's will he prayed according to his word and so it's also a great example of elijah wasn't out praying for more money, a bigger house for his kids to get into a great college. I mean, Elijah was praying on the promises of God. God gave him a word. God told him and directed him. And then Elijah was praying and holding God to his promises. And I think that's a prayer we can always pray. Like, God, you said, this is what your word says. And so I'm going to claim that truth. You you say you forgive. You say um, I'll, you know, you will bring peace, all of these things. So I'm going to claim those truths uh, on behalf of my life. And I think that's also the the great example we get from Elijah. Yeah, you can never grow wrong when you're praying God's word back to him because right. right. he said it and he might he might use it in a different way than you're anticipating, but yeah. you can never go wrong praying yeah. the promises of God back to him. Yeah, it's a good word. Um, and so then James ends these final verses, 19 and 20, that could be a whole sermon, couple of them in itself, but he ends with a word of encouragement. Um, and he reminds us, actually, let me just read it here. He says, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. I love that James ends with just this reminder that perhaps one of the greatest blessings of our faith journey and in our lives is that God can use you and he can use me to turn others' hearts back towards him, that he invites us into his grand plan. We are part of his story. And he invites us to have an impact, not only on someone else's lives here and every day, but on their eternal destiny to save them from a world of hurt in this world and a world of sin and death uh, that could be to come without the grace of God. And so um, what a beautiful reminder at the end of this book. Yeah, we are called a community. Um, and if you are listening to this and you are not part of a community, seek one out. Um, the early church in particular, I mean, the New Testament isn't a whole, there, there's aspects of individual faith in there, but so much of the New Testament speaks to communities of believers holding each other up, helping each other, confessing to each other, pulling each other back from the brink of destruction mm. um, and and that God gives us the you might be the person that's gonna be the leash that pulls somebody back um, and you know we the Bible is clear about um, our salvation is secure the Bible is also clear that we are meant to um, live a life that reflects the faith we proclaim James in particular is concerned with that and he wants us to hold each other accountable. And that's another one of those things that can be tough to do. Um, we don't like, I, I'll say I, I don't like to ruffle feathers. I like people to like me. I don't necessarily want to be the one who is approaching you and saying, mm, I don't think that's what you're supposed to be doing. But when, when it comes to matters of faith, we are to lovingly, humbly, all the, the guidelines that James has given us earlier in this letter about how we are to deal with relationships we're to use those with other believers to to call and correct them. 
with the understanding that there may be a, you know, there's a conversations to be had there sometimes about, you know, theological issues or whatever, but we are, we are meant to live life in community. Mm-hmm. And uh, James is super, super clear about that. He's using the, our brother's language here again. Um, he's, I'm in here there with you. And I think it's just really neat to think that um, if we go back to the history of this book, it's as far as we know, probably the first letter to the early church, to those Jewish believers. And he just wants to set them up. God is using James to set these people up to be the church that 2,000 years later, we are still a part of. And from keeping them on the path of truth to looking out for the um, disenfranchised, all those things are just the healthy rhythms of a body of believers living together. And I just think that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it also, um, not just those course corrections that we all need, because we all wander, we all get off, we get off um, course, but James also has been concerned throughout his book about people who are showing up at church every week who are professing faith and never actually had it. And so this verse is also, the the words in these verses are also saying, it's, it's, it's for those who are inadvertently wandering off the path like we all do at times. We're prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. We need, we need those course corrections. But also for those who um, either have never come to faith or who have just chosen a different path. They're, they're showing up on Sunday mornings and yet they, they know nothing about what it means to have a saving faith in Jesus Christ. And so we also are responsible for those the, the last people that God has put in our lives to be the person that can bring them in, that, that's not afraid to name Jesus, that's not afraid to share our faith. Again, do it in the context of a relationship. Um, but we are called to that. You know, It's always easier to hope someone else will do that, yeah. but maybe you're the one that God has put in their life. And so that's another invitation that we have. And I think the last thing I'll say about these verses, it's also, I love that there's hope in this, that we also probably, all of us, know someone in our lives who doesn't know the Lord and our heart aches and they're on our prayer list and we have been on our knees just praying for them. And it's a good reminder also that God sees them, he knows them, he hears your prayers. And um, you know, I'm reminded of a verse in Second Peter 3 when um, Peter says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Instead, he is patient. He's not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance, that that is God's desire, that people wouldn't wander, but they would come to know this amazing life that he has to offer us. Yeah, and he and he's, in this, he's inviting us into that. He's like, you are part of that plan. Jesus was the, you know, the originator of it on the cross and, and rising out of the grave, but now here you are. I've placed you on this earth with purpose, and part of that purpose is to share that good news and to bring people into that place of of the God's ultimate truth. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what an invitation. It's a little yeah. bit scary, a little bit intimidating maybe, but, you know, invite him into it and he's, I think he'll blow us away with what he will do when we let him. Yeah, yeah, amen. Well, I know we're we're going a little long today. I can't believe our Shocking time is like to I know. Exactly but, no you know, one. <laughs> this is if you've hung in with us, ladies, for James this whole time, just hang on with us for like five more minutes, uh, and we'll wrap this up. But such a great, 
so much to to think about and so much truth and encouragement in these words. So Chris, I'm just going to ask you, I have one more thing to share, but I just want to give you a a final chance. Is there anything else that you didn't get to share or you want to just say? You know, just, I really like going back to the very beginning of our conversation because I'm going to, I didn't do this today and now I'm going to. I want to go back and I want to read all of James again as a whole letter now because that's how these early listeners received it. I mean, can you imagine their heads must have been spinning as they sat down there because James is like jumping all over the place, it seems. But it is a lo- it's one of God's many love letters to his people. Mm. Um, and the words in there are good and they are true and they are meant for us. And they're meant for you. And I'm going to just, I'm going to go back and, and kind of soak that all in. And then just this pray, pray, pray. I Clearly, I'm not supposed to give up on my rustling with a, with a, a significant prayer life yet, um, that that's God's desire for us. And what, I mean, the God of the universe wants to be in a relationship with you. Come on. Like it, <laughs> that's the good news. <laughs> wants to be in a relationship right with me. That's the good news. Yeah. And so don't, don't miss out on that. And if, yeah. if you have any questions about that, you can direct those to Sue Ann. Please do. Honestly, really. I would love, love, love. The weather's warming up. Let's go walk. Just find me on the church website. Email me. Find me on our social media pages and let's go talk about it. I'd, I'd love to do that. Yeah. It'd be a privilege. Um, you know, Chris, I also want to go back to where we started and just as uh, that final encouragement to go and read the book of James in one sitting, uh, if you can, or even a couple of sittings, read the whole thing. But um Remember, as you do that, where we started, that James at one time did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God. He was skeptical. He was harsh. He was angry. He was sarcastic. And then he has this moment that we don't really know that much about, but he has this moment where he encounters the resurrected Christ and his whole life turns upside down. And here he is. He's the leader of the early church. Back in chapter one, verse one, he calls himself a slave to Jesus Christ. Do you remember that? He declares Jesus his master. He writes this letter that teaches us all of these hard and challenging things about how to live our lives, not to be better people, so that we would be a better, deeper reflection of who Christ is in this world so the world may know Christ and we may know him more deeply. And so I want you to remember that that is James' journey because then the last place that we see James is in Acts chapter 21. He has this encounter with Paul. Again, it shows his leadership. Paul comes to him. Paul has an issue. He comes to James. James speaks truth into his life. And then James just kind of fades out of the biblical narrative. We don't actually see him again, but yet... The historical tradition tells us that James ended up dying a martyr's death. And again, not in scripture, but that's what we know, that he ends up giving up his very life for the sake of the gospel that at one point he did not believe was true. And I just, I want you to stop and consider that today because not only does God have the power to change, you know, those people that we know that are far from God, he can bring anybody back to him, but he also has the power to transform anything in your life, anything that we take before him in prayer. He has the power to transform, and I want you to remember that today. So friends, whatever you may be facing today, if you're troubled, pray. If you're happy, pray. Give thanks. If you're sick, pray. If, you're, if you need healing, pray. If you need to confess, pray. Do it. 
go make things right. If you've gotten off the path or you know someone else who has, pray. Pray for yourself. Pray that God would change your heart. Pray that he would change their heart. And just remind yourselves of the truth of who God is and his goodness and how he's waiting for you and he's waiting for them with open arms. And so, um, Chris, I'm so thankful for you today. I'm thankful for this letter. I'm thankful for the word. And I'm so thankful that you all took the time to uh, tune in with us once again. So, Chris, thanks so much for being here. I so appreciate you. Thanks, as always, for inviting me into these discussions. Um, They change lives, uh, just like God's words promise that it will. Amen. Well, friends, thanks again for joining us today and for joining us throughout this entire crazy, wacky, messed up year. If you haven't listened to all of these episodes, go back and do it. Catch what you've missed and be sure to invite a friend along. We would absolutely love that. Remember, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ChristChurchWomen. Um, And I just want to give a big shout out to all of our Zoom groups, all of our small group leaders out there who have walked through this year and who have been flexible and adaptable and as patient as you can be as we have tried to figure this out. I appreciate all of you ladies out there. So thank you so much for hanging in there with us. And the last thing I will say is remember, we are not done. We are wrapping up season one of Deeper Still, but we have more great things to come. In a couple of weeks, we're going to do a special Mother's Day episode. I would actually love to hear from you if there's some questions that you would love for us to talk about on that. Um, And then we're going to go on to season two. I'm working on that right now, a schedule with some amazing guests for the spring and for the summer. We're not going to go through a book of Bible. We're going to do topics. And I have um, some authors and speakers and women of influence, both locally and around the country, that I think are going to be amazing guests. So we will keep you posted on that. Check back again on our social media pages, but we will let you know when season two is out uh, in May. Now, ladies, uh, go enjoy your day. Remember, no matter how crazy it gets, no matter what life throws at you, no matter how high or how low you get in the midst of the chaotic and the mundane, don't forget to look to God. Don't forget to look to one another. And always, always ask yourself how God might be calling you to go deeper still. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. We'll see you back here real soon. Mm -hmm.